Welcome in, everybody. It's week 14 on the Wagme Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Garini, joined by my co-host, Nick Musto. Oh boy, Nick, we're getting down to the thick of things here. This week is do or die for pretty much everyone. Um, our league, there's a couple people that do have playoffs locked. You would love to be one of those people, but there's a lot of guys on the border trying to sneak into those fifth or sixth spots. I'm praying for all of you, unless it would be at my expense. I'm very safe. I feel like I'm slowly, I went from having the second least points scored in the league to having like the second most. I have the tiebreaker. My team's in second most. We're rolling. I'm second or third. I'm one I of know, the I know. I'm first. That's why I was making a joke. Wait, no, I'm not. Fuck. What do you, what do you, crap? One of them. I meant, yeah. Okay. Anyways, so it's week 14. Uh, NFL playoffs, too. There's a lot of implications in there. I was looking at the AFC standings, and wow, that's very entertaining uh, mm-hmm. this year. Who like who do you think I could see? You know, the AFC East is wide open. All, hypothetically, all four teams are still uh, in the running for that. Even the AFC North, I mean, you have two eight-win teams there. Uh, with Baltimore and Cincinnati and there's a lot to play for for nearly everybody Uh, I love that there's a third wild card spot it's just going to mean more meaningful football is going to be played down the stretch I think that the Bills rule that division take the take the top spot there yeah Um, I mean they have they have a one game lead on everybody Uh, do they have one matchup with Miami left yeah yeah, yeah, they do. So I think the top four seeds in the AFC, it's going to be in whatever order, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Titans, and the Bills. And then the last three, I think, I mean, I think the Ravens make it. Uh, I don't like the other two, I guess the Dolphins and then maybe the Jets. The Steelers also might sneak in again. Fair yeah, much. we'll see. I, I, I could see they're five and seven. So yeah. like it's it's like if they get to nine and eight, uh, which is doable looking at their their schedule. I mean, they get the Ravens at home this week. No Lamar. Uh, that could be a win. The following week, they get Carolina and Las Vegas. Those are two teams that on paper they should beat. And then they get another matchup with Baltimore. And to close the season, they play Cleveland. So yeah. I could see them getting to nine and eight fairly easily. And Mike Tomlin, once again, you can say that he has never had a losing season. I love being able to say that. If you if you were to throw out your Super Bowl prediction right now, which two teams would be playing? Uh, I'm going to go with a homer pick or favorite pick in the AFC. The Bills versus... I think it's either the Eagles or the Cowboys. And I'm going to say the Eagles. I'll go Kansas City and Dallas. I think Dallas is really cooking. If the Niners didn't just lose Jimmy G, I would probably say them. And I could still arguably say them, even with Brock Purdy. They're just such a complete team. I mean, you look at their roster head to toe. They have all stars at every level of their defense and offense. If they had like a Justin Herbert or anyone of that caliber, they would win the Super Bowl for 10 straight years. Like, they're unbeatable. I could play quarterback there, and we'd go 500. 
I've seen your noodle arm. I don't know about that. It's just ridiculous. The skill players, the defense, the offensive line, the coaching, everything there's perfect. All they lack is the quarterback. And Brock Purdy, I mean, what do you have? 230 yards, two touchdowns. Right. Yeah. Uh, how about let's get to actual fantasy football, uh, you know, what we do. And let's talk about a shit week for running backs this past week. Only six backs succeeded 20 points. Uh, Samaji P. Ryan was the RB3 on the week with 21 and a half points. Not necessarily a great week for the position. Uh, however, there were some pleasant surprises, one of which was my start of the week, A.J. Dillon. Dillon totaled 21 points with Aaron Jones in banged up uh, in and out of that game with a shin injury. What are your thoughts on the landscape of the position right now? For running back in general or the Packers running back? In, in running back, and you could throw your, your piece whether or not you think Aaron Jones is going to forfeit some of his share to A.J. Dillon moving forward. Um, I don't think that Aaron Jones forfeits share moving forward if he's healthy and they have a bye week now, so I think Jones will have time to get healthy and he'll be locked in as a top 12 running back every week again. Um, but running backs in general, um, I guess I'm not super prepared for this, but I've noticed uh, we had Travis Etienne go for 13 carries, 53 yards, had a fumble. Eckler's been slow of late. The only running back that's like putting up ridiculous numbers right now is Josh Jacobs. And um, it is concerning for the position. It makes me wonder if, wide receiver really is more important i've been hesitant to say that because the running back position is so thin you really want your running backs but if they don't perform even when you think you have a high caliber guy it makes you it makes it hard to believe that running backs are as valuable as they seem to be i mean look josh jacobs you mentioned his name he's rb2 on the year um ramondre stevenson the rb8 tony pollard the rb9 Jamal Williams, RB12. There's four RB1s right there uh, that people really didn't see coming. I mean, Josh Jacobs was fringe in the draft. He was going around RB17, 18. So that's not drastically different. Um, however, he's far exceeded his expectations is what I'm saying. And uh, it, it's just a hard position to get down. I mean, yeah, Eckler's there and CMC's there and Derrick Henry. And Saquon is, but it seems very elusive to be 100% in your draft at the position. Yeah, Derrick Henry of late has just been awful, and I'm kind of glad I didn't, none of my attempts to acquire him succeeded because over the last four weeks, he hasn't had a game where he's averaged over 3.11, 3.11 yards per carry. Um, and some of those matchups were good. Green Bay has been suspect against the run. Cincinnati's mediocre. Philly's been um, a little bit more porous of late. Those are good, decent matchups that he should have been performing in. Hopefully things improve for him. The matchups get a lot better. His next three weeks, Jacksonville, the Chargers, Houston, and then Dallas in the final. So, I mean, I think Henry could be a league winner. Yeah, I mean, I know. He backs. we calculated the easiest fantasy playoff schedules like three weeks ago that got released to our newsletter subscribers. And Derrick Henry was number one. I mean, he is going to be a league winning running back here with the schedule that he has coming up. Uh, I'm really excited for how he's going to finish the year. Uh, let's see Philadelphia 
according to Fantasy Pro's four-star matchup. Jacksonville, well, he actually just had that. He's nonetheless, he has four-star matchups the rest of the year. And that is pretty darn hard um, to to get that friendly of a schedule. So I think he's gonna really finish strong. He could be, you know, the Derrick Henry that he had two years ago when he just rattled off 40 point performances left and right. I think that's what we're going to see. He might have 800 yards over the next three games. Look, uh, 2020 week, 12, 39 week, 14, 36 week, 15, 25 week, 17, 35. Like he's ridiculous. And he could literally have that again. Yeah. It's scary. And Collins in the playoffs, which I don't like. Let's get into our starts for the week. Who's your stardom at quarterback? My start of the week at quarterback is Justin Herbert. Um, Herbert has not been performing the way fantasy owners want him to be. Um, He's not living up to the draft capital, but the matchup is juicy here. We know that Miami is capable of putting up points, especially on this Chargers defense. So that will require a lot of work from Herbert and this offense to put up points as well. Miami ranks 30th against quarterbacks. I would expect a big week from Herbert if if it's going to happen this season. It's this week because they're going to need it, and they are still in the playoff hunt. I think they're what are they six and six, seven and five, something like that. Like they're just around or above five hundred. They definitely have an opportunity to make playoffs. So this is a must win for them. And Mike Williams might return. This is going to be a good matchup for Herbert. They are six and six, and okay. they're one of those teams that's going to be really battling for the seven seed. Um, it's going to be tight down the race. I love this game. It's Sunday night. They're under the lights, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a hell of a matchup. I can't wait for that one. Uh, you could easily say Tua on the other side of the ball. Would you agree with me that he should, should be a must start this week? Yeah, I did in our, um, starts and sits. I listed him as one of my three starts of the week. I, I love Tua and Herbert this week. I think they're both great starts. My start of the week is Jared Goff. He goes against Minnesota at home. And it's crazy because Detroit is actually favored by two and a half points in this game, which doesn't make sense because on paper you see Minnesota's what? 11 and two or yep. They are 10 and two. Yep. And why should the Detroit lions who are five and seven be favored in this matchup? Um, Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I agree that. I, I, I'm taking Minnesota in this game, so I really like the money line there. But um, anyways, typically Vegas allows three points to the home team. Right. So still, yeah. points, like if they were playing in a neutral place, that would mean that Minnesota's play favored by half a point. I have so, no I have no clue how to gamble on this game <laughs> because part of me thinks Minnesota's a bunch of frauds. Um, another part of me thinks that Detroit is just going to sell out um, simply. So it'll be interesting to see where people are placing the money. My guess is on the 10 and two team. Uh, that's where the majority of the money would lay, especially with them getting points. But back to Jared Goff being the start of the week. Uh, he's at home and he performs really well at home. Last week, he looked phenomenal against Jacksonville, just completely routed on them. 340 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions week prior against Buffalo and a good defense right there, 240 yards, two touchdowns, no picks hasn't turned the ball over since week nine. Um, he's, he's a veteran quarterback that has been very poised all year. 
At home, he's averaging 20.6 points per game. Uh, Minnesota has allowed the seventh most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. And in week three, when Goff threw against the Viking secondary for the first time, um, he, he struggled on the road, but he typically does. And he still mustered 277 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. So not a terrible day at the offense or at, at the office. Uh, but he gets home field advantage, and I'm, it's enticing for me this week. Yeah, I really like the matchup. I do think that this one has a high over-under, too. I think it's like 52 points. Um, so there's going to be points scored. Goff has had his best season since L.A. this year. Um, so this is really encouraging for him. I do like the matchup. He's definitely a favorable streamer. Um, he's also someone you want to add um, – to your roster if you're heading into playoffs, just in case your starting quarterback, your Jalen Hurts, your Tua, your Josh Allen goes down. Um, his matchups for playoffs are not too bad. He plays the Jets in week 15, but in 16 and 17, he has the Panthers and the Bears. So those are two good matchups to cap off the season. Good point there. Your running back start of the week. All right, running back start of the week. Um, Deontay Foreman going into Seattle, into the 12th man. Um, this is a great matchup simply because Seattle just leads points to running backs. Their third most points to running backs throughout the season. Um, they can't throw the ball. Uh, I don't even know who their quarterback is, and I frankly don't care. I think it's Sam Darnold this week. Um, doesn't matter. He sucks. They're going to run the ball a lot. And even, even though Foreman doesn't see much in the receiving game, he'll see 15-plus carries and hopefully find the end zone. He's definitely worth a flex this week. My start of the week at running back is Tony, Tony Tone Pollard. Uh, he's been nothing short of excellent for his fantasy owners. Uh, he is just gashing defenses left and right. It does not matter who he lines up against. 5.8 yards per carry this year, 10 total touchdowns, um, 1100 over 1,100 scrimmage yards. He's just, he's the most efficient running back in the game right now he's averaging 93.3 yards per game over or rushing yards per game over his last three weeks during that time he has eight total touchdowns he's been on fire zeke is back in the offense uh and it doesn't matter i mean both of them get plenty of touches to make both very relevant last week tony pollard only had 12 rushes but he had 91 yards and found the end zone twice um in it was encouraging to see him used near the goal line for his first touchdown in that game. Uh, that was the biggest knock on him. And the Elliott Pollard uh, debate was that Zeke steals all the goal line touches. Well, we saw Tony get one in their first drive, first or second drive, and punch it in from close range. So Tony's my start of the week. Um, he is playing against the Houston Texans, who are just god-awful, by far the most rushing yards allowed this season among defenses, allowing the most fantasy points to running backs. Slam dunk start here for me. Yeah, it's a great start. Um, and I think that I, Dallas is going to be up by 30 points at halftime. And that means they're not going to play their starters in the second half. But Tony Pollard isn't really the starter. So there could be use for Pollard throughout this entire game, even if it's a blowout, which... I think I think both are you know like the Indianapolis game. Both are going to be utilized through the first three quarters fairly evenly. Uh, they have Malik Davis, I think his name is their their third 
running back. He will probably assist them late, um, but both are going to be utilized. I agree. Um, On to my wide receiver start of the week, Tyler Lockett. Same game as my last start at running back, Deontay Foreman. Tyler Lockett plays the Panthers. Um, He's had a touchdown in five straight games. He had eight catches, 118 yards last week. He's on fire, uh, 128 yards last week. Sorry, a touchdown on 12 targets, nine catches. The dude's hot right now. Like, it's just not – I don't understand why Tyler Lockett is so good, but no one talks about him. He's, I think, the better receiver in the receiving core in Seattle, benefiting from Geno Smith, who is on fire. With that kind of target share and your use near the red zone – I don't think that there's any reason to bench Tyler Lockett in the future for a guy like a Christian Watson, which I made that mistake last week. Um, there's no point in benching him for a Chris Olave, a Christian Watson, a Traylon Burks, someone with who, who has a lot of upside. I would just trust in Lockett for the rest of the season, especially in this matchup. It's very favorable. He's unreal. I mean, what he's doing is just flat out unreal. The, honestly, I'm amazed by the entire Seattle passing game. Nobody thought, it would be better with Geno Smith, and it is. They're seven and five. They're sitting pretty. Uh, they have strong chances at making the playoffs. I'm very impressed with this offense. My start of the week at wide receiver is Keenan Allen. Uh, he goes up against Miami in that big Sunday night football showdown with a lot on the line. And ever since he came back, he has been the Keenan Allen that we all wish we had on our team. 14 targets this past week, uh, 88 receiving yards and a touchdown. Week prior, seven targets. He hauled in five of them. He scored a clutch touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals. And then his first week back, he still saw eight targets, totaled 94 receiving yards, which is surprising because Keenan isn't a very vertical player. And we've seen him break loose a couple times now. He's had a couple big chunk plays. Last year, he was confined to the um, 10, 10 yards per catch range. Uh, but this year he's averaging a smooth 14 per catch, even though it's a small sample size. I think he's just, I mean, you saw 14 targets thrown his way last week. I think he's just the clear cut top option for Justin Herbert. And this is going to be a shootout. I'm expecting a big day for Allen. Yeah. I also expect a big day for him. And I don't think that his outlook changes based on whether or not Mike Williams is there or not. Um, I think it, does, it doesn't there, matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, exactly. Eats first. All right. I'll move on to my tight end star of the week, Greg Dulcich. So we've talked about him a lot on this podcast. Um, he's been up and down this season, really hot start, fell off for a couple of weeks. And then he's been a little more used in the offense over the last few weeks. Um, Something to note this week is without Cortland Sutton, there will be a very large target share in this offense to go around and points will need to be scored whether they want to or not. The Broncos, um, they're going to have to score to keep up with Kansas City. I don't know how much they'll be able to, but they're going to have to try. And a lot of that trying will involve Greg Dulcich, the coaching staff that said that they'll be lining him up this week as a wide receiver. And if you can get a tight end who is lining up as a wide receiver, that's like a match made in heaven that's not something that happens it was like darren waller and his breakout season was lining up as a wide receiver a lot um kyle pitts last year lined up as a wide receiver a lot if greg dulcich is used in that way he's going to be a monster to finish the season especially if one of these receivers is hurt 
and they have been all year. Mm-hmm. And I've, I feel like Dulcich is going to keep his footing in this receiving pecking order. Um, he's a big, reliable target, simple as that. They're going to be losing this weekend to the Chiefs. I, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm streaming him in every league I can. My other streamer of the week is Hunter Henry. He plays the Arizona Cardinals, who are notorious for just being gashed by tight ends in fantasy football. They're allowing the most points per game uh, to tight ends this year. Henry had a quiet week 13 against Buffalo, as expected. But two weeks ago, you look at it, 63 yards, a touchdown against Minnesota on Thanksgiving. Could have had a second one that was controversially called uh, incomplete, but we won't get down that rabbit hole. I think Hunter Henry, this is one of the few matchups that you can start him. It's really not what he does. It's what the defense is going to do. And Arizona just simply doesn't guard tight ends. Yeah, I agree. Start your tight ends against Arizona. That's kind of something to live by this year. Um, You're sit sit at quarterback this week. Tom Brady at San Francisco. Um, last week he put up a decent stat line, seven or 17 points. Um, not encouraging considering two of those touchdowns came late in the fourth quarter, not early late in the fourth quarter. Um, and San Francisco's defense is elite, probably the best defense in the NFL. It's not a good matchup for Brady. I think he sees a lot of pressure. This offensive line is very suspect. He might retire mid game, depending on how many times Bosa sacks him. Um, but I think that the Buccaneers win this game at the same time. Really? You think the Bucs are going to grab this one here? I don't think Brock Purdy beats Tom Brady. Even if um, it's a good fantasy showing from Tom Brady, I don't think Brock Purdy can beat Tom Brady. That's an interesting way to look at it. I just feel like Tampa Bay has looked god-awful this year. I mean, even this past Monday night, they looked terrible. I don't know how they won. They didn't deserve to win. Um, but they did nonetheless, and they're looking terrible. San Francisco's defense has been looking great. That's my equation simplified down. I don't see Tom Brady doing anything in fantasy. I agree. I don't know about that outcome of the game. That'll be an interesting one. We'll we'll maybe put a wager on that afterwards. Um, That's my upset of the week. My sit of the week at quarterback is Dak Prescott. He plays the Houston Texans, who are so bad guarding the ground game that they look great on paper against the uh, air game and Dak Prescott. um, He's just simply not going to be throwing a whole lot against this Texans secondary. He's attempted over 30 passes just once this year. Dallas is going to stick to their dominant ground game, especially in a favorable tilt uh, against Houston quarterbacks are averaging less than 13 points per game against Houston. I'm not expecting Dak to to be on par with that figure. I'm expecting a little bit more than that, but not by much. I think it's just a silent day at the office for him. Yeah, he's got a floor in this game, but not a very high ceiling, I don't think, unless all of their touchdowns happen. Unless when they get into the red zone and it's first and goal from the eight-yard line, he might have a couple passing touchdowns, but I would think that they'll still be able to just run it in. So, yeah. Not starting him this week. I am actually starting Kyler Murray over him. Uh, uh, that's, that's a foolproof idea, I feel like. I think so, too. All right. Same game. My running back sit of the week, Damian Pierce going into Dallas. Just a terrible matchup. I know we wrote, a lot of people were writing off Damian Pierce a few weeks ago, um, even 
just before last week. And then he came up, had a decent performance. Now people want to put him back in their lineup. He is a very good running back in an offense where he is the only capable player of moving the chains whatsoever. Um, I don't think whether it's Kyle Allen or um, Davis Mills, this won't affect Pierce's um, use in the offense. He's going to be used, but it may not be valuable use. It's going to be two yards a carry, little to no touchdown upside. I'm, I'm benching Pierce this week if you can. I'm benching another. He's not technically a rookie, but he's essentially a rookie. Uh, Travis Etienne, another AFC South running back. He's going up against Tennessee, um, who has been pretty darn good against the run this year. They're allowing only 83 rushing yards per game, 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, Etienne hasn't looked good as of recently. He had a lackluster week 13 uh, against Detroit. Um, week 12, he he left early because of that injury scare. I just don't think outside of the three game stretch from week seven to nine, where we saw Travis Etienne um, just gash defenses, 19 points, 25 points, 27 points, over 100 rushing yards in all three of those games, uh, rushing touchdown at least one in all three of those games. We really haven't seen much from him uh, this year. And I, th- I feel like he's been overhyped, uh, especially as of recently. It's really shown. And I'm not expecting a whole lot on the road against Tennessee this week. Yeah, Tennessee's run defense is great. Where they get beat by running backs is through the receiving game. And ETN has not really been used in the receiving game this year, which is weird because we all thought of him as a receiving back. He hasn't. He's only seen over three targets um, twice. Well, three times. Week one, he had four targets. but. Yeah, to further your point. Yeah, so it's really just a, a terrible matchup for ETN, unless you have to start him because Christian Watson, uh, Jonathan Taylor, and someone else are all on by, and he's your only option. Right. I'm in that situation. That's awkward then. Um, well, I'm not starting uh, Gus Edwards over him. So, uh, okay, my wide receiver sit of the week this week, Brandon Ayuk. Tampa Bay into this game again um, on the other side of the ball this time, though. I'm not starting Debo. I'm not starting Ayuk. I'm not starting Kittle. I, the only player on the or the San Francisco offense that I feel confident starting this week is Christian McCaffrey. I, do you feel any other way? I mean, I like that you say that because Christian McCaffrey is on my team. Uh, yeah, I do agree with that. I just don't see a world where Ayuk gets – the touchdown upside is going to be limited because I don't know if they'll trust Purdy to throw it towards the end zone other than a little dump down to McCaffrey in this matchup against a good defense in Tampa Bay. So he needs seven catches for 70 yards to put up a decent performance. And I just don't think that's possible at all. No, it's unlikely. I I'm like, as with, I felt I feel the same way about Brock Purdy as they did Deshaun Watson, who is a far superior, talented quarterback. A, a new quarterback, the first week they're back, don't expect some sort of rosy outcome from it. It's gonna it's gonna be struggles, um, a, a lot of hiccups in the game. I don't I wouldn't start their pass catcher as simple as that until there's a little more consistency in their results. So if you, what would you bench Debo for? I'm assuming you'd value Debo a little bit above Ayuk, even though I, I think we might differ there. 
I really don't think you can sit Debo. I mean, looking at it, would, would I start Devontae Smith over him? Probably. I mean, Smitty's done his job as well, a recent. Traylon Burks, who might be, if he plays, Traylon Burks, who, if he plays. Hell no. Hell really? the no. Uh, no. Well, he's had 18, 17, and then last week he caught a touchdown in the first quarter, went out with a concussion. I don't care. The, the rookie has not really, the last three games, small sample size, the rookie has not shown up consistently. And we're talking about benching last year's wide receiver two for him, who has shown this year he still has that big play capability. All it takes is one play from Debo Samuel. That's why you really can't bench him for many people. Fair enough. I think I'd take Burks if he's healthy. Not I. Uh, is it my turn for my sit at wide receiver? Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm sitting Gabe Davis, another secondary option in a rather elite offense. Look, Gabe Davis just has not really done what we were hoping he would. Actually, no, he's been exactly what we thought he was going to be. Uh, he's catching little over 50% of his catches. Um, just the big play threat. I mean, last week he scored a touchdown, but he only had two catches for 15 yards. And it's it, it kind of uh, troubles me with Gabe Davis because he had seven targets this past game. You're thinking if a receiver sees seven targets, surely he's going to have four catches at least. No, he only hauled in two of them. Uh, he's just not been reliable really in this offense and the jets limited to him to 33 yards in week nine. They're a tough secondary to crack. They're allowing the third fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this year. I have been very cold on Gabe Davis. I find it really troubling to start someone who is only averaging three catches per game uh, in my fantasy lineup when it's playoffs. He has the highest a dot in the NFL for starting wide receivers over DPJ. I think so. Yeah. I looked wow. this up a few, actually a few weeks ago, it might've changed, but yeah, as of a few weeks ago, it was true. Well, that one bomb over top for 60 yards against uh, Pittsburgh probably really inflated that mm -hmm. he has, according to player profiler, which takes like everybody's data um fourth highest over 15 yards per target that's pretty crazy though yeah that's extremely high and it's something you really want if it has a high conversion rate but is it 50 percent you said just under it, like 52 percent of his okay. targets are being caught yeah yeah that's definitely something worth benching i think this week the matchup is not appealing with new york um, but I'm going to go on the same matchup, same team, Dawson Knox, my tight end set of the week this week. He didn't have a point last week and the offense is it's, it's on fire, but if he's not getting a touchdown, there's nothing, there's nothing that points me towards wanting to include him in my lineup. Um, he is a touchdown or bust player. I think that there's more mouths to feed than we'd like to admit with James Cook and his emergence, Devin Singletary on the goal line, Gabe Davis in the red zone, Stefan Diggs in the red zone. Knox is like the fifth option in this offense, and New York is not a good matchup for this in the first place. So it's definitely worth a bench for me. He hasn't been. It, it was looking after week 11, seven for 70. All seven targets were caught that Dawson Knox was going to finish the season strong. That's not the case. He just hasn't looked apart recently. And tight ends, I feel like it's kind of been like, 
your guess is as good as mine this year. Um, but he scored zero points. That's a good indicator that he shouldn't be in your lineup uh, this week. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's only four tight ends right now that you can comfortably put in your lineup. I mean, Andrews, Kelsey, Hawkinson, and um, I'm blanking. Pat, George Kittle. I guess Pat. I don't really trust George Kittle. Pat, yeah. Pat's been solid. My set of the week, though, I'm going to interject, let your thought come back to you. I'm staying in the AFC East. That's Tyler Conklin. Um, since his week eight explosion where he had t- over 25 points, two, two touchdowns in that game, he's averaging just four points per game. He was limited to one catch in the first game against Buffalo this year. Uh, he should be kept out of your lineup this or this week uh, in his second matchup with Buffalo. I just don't see it happening. Um, he saw seven targets thrown his way last week, but he only had nine yards with those seven targets. So leave the streamer on the waivers until you're really desperate. Yeah, I'm not starting Tyler Conklin. I just don't I just don't like playing tight ends. I don't really want to at all ever. Neither do I. Uh, let's give some lines. These were fun. I went four and0 last week. God went over seven and a half receptions. He had eight. Debo Samuel over three and a half carries. He had four. Uh, Chubb less than 25 points. He only had eight. And Deshaun Watson less than one and a half touchdowns. He had zero. I was perfect. Uh, how'd you fare last week? You you had to have been two and two or three and one. I was two and two. I missed on Chubb and Watson. I can't believe I missed on Chubb. I'm not really surprised I missed on Watson. That was more me th- me hoping that Deshaun Watson would have two touchdown passes was based on the fact that I have Amari Cooper. Based on that, um, I'm going to give you my first line if you're okay with that. Go for it. All right. Kyler Murray over under 220 passing yards. That is New England's average um, allowed passing yards per game to the quarterbacks. And Murray is 50 50 on the year in five games. He's thrown for less than 220 yards. Five games. He has more than 220 passing yards. So he's got Hopkins. He's got Marquise Brown. Is Rondell Moore healthy? I don't think so. But I thought he was. Let me check real quick. Chance Rondell. to return. He has a chance. Okay. All right. Not seen at practice yesterday, though. Uh, oh, it doesn't really matter. Um, I'll take the over there. I think he hits over 220. It's quite I, optimistic. This is only the second game where both Hopkins and Brown have been active. And when the first game where they were both active, it was Brown's first game back from injury from a six week injury. I'm, I'm taking the over here. I really like this matchup for them. Okay. I'm not going to vote. How about we just vote on each other's? I won't vote on mine. Sure. I'm fine with that. I'll go with my first one. So CD lamb at home against the Texans. Will you have over 14 pants at points (laughs) for the uh, reference? Nick, meant to type fantasy points but google docs has their beautiful autocorrect and it said pants at points and i was like what the hell do you mean by that um 14 pants didn't put two and two together uh nonetheless i think cd will be over 14 it's hard to bet against him uh he he looked super dominant last week on sunday night football even though houston we were saying earlier how um, they're very vulnerable to the run, which makes them less susceptible through the air. 
I still think he, you know, he's one of the best receivers in the game and he's going to find a way to scrap together 14 points. I'm not going to lie. I think the over is a trap on that one. Yeah, I could, I could see him finishing with, uh, I mean, we've seen a couple games now where he has five catches for 50 yards this yeah. year, um, but I'm still pretty confident he's going to hit the over. All right, my second one, DeAndre Swift. This is a guy that's been getting a ton of buzz um, all year, really. You know, he he had high hopes in the draft. He was drafted as a RB1. He got injured. He comes back. He's getting less touches than Justin Jackson. Well, last week he had 18 touches and 21 points, his best game since week two or even week one, rather. Uh, over under 13 and a half full PPR fantasy points for DeAndre Swift this week. I think he takes the over there. Um, I, he's, Again, he's they're, playing, they're playing Minnesota, just to remind you. Yeah, oh, 12th most fantasy points so far to the running back position. I do think this game's a shootout with the 52-point over-under, and I think that Swift can definitely scrap together five catches, maybe 40 yards on the ground, and a touchdown, and that will smash the over. I hope you're right. Football's better when he's playing excellent. He is a very entertaining player to watch. He's electric. Um, all right, my second line. Amari Cooper over or under 12 fantasy points going to Cincinnati Watson's second game back. Please say over. He's on my sits of the week. Uh, 12, you know, it sounds like he could reach that, but I'm still going to say under here. Um, he was on my sits of the week. I, I want to see consistency before I raise my expectations for Amari Cooper. He has as many weekly finishes outside the top 50 wide receivers as he does inside the top 10. And until I see him have that boom game with Deshaun Watson throwing the ball, I'm going to be pessimistic towards Amari Cooper. I'm saying under here. Sorry, Charlie. Nine, nine targets with Watson. That's very encouraging. Hopefully those other five targets don't hit him in the shoe again, but yeah, I, I don't blame you for taking me under there. Oh, boy. My last line, uh, Devontae Smith, Smitty, over under 59 and a half receiving yards. He's had five games over um, that mark this year. He's been a boom bust all year long. This week, he gets a Giants defense that has been middle of the pack against the pass. I'll... I'll... So over the last, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks, he would have only passed this line twice. I'm going to take the under just based on that. The matchup is good. It is a divisional matchup. Both these teams are competing for playoff positions. Well, I think that the Eagles actually already have it locked up, but they're both, um, go- they both want playoffs, especially the Giants who are in must-win position if they keep want to keep their hopes alive. Five. They're looking to stay out of last place in their division. Um, I, I just don't think he he does it. The history does history is not in his favor. I'll leave it at that. I agree. Um, just off the pure basis of game log. However, two of the last three weeks he's exceeded that point. The only game he didn't, he had fifty yards in. Hey, under is probably more likely, but it's it's Smitty. I I he's one of my favorites. Um, and I have high hopes for him this week. All right. My last line. 
So a guy we talked about earlier, he's been very inefficient. Um, last four games under 3.1 yards per carry. Will he have 99 and a half rushing yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who do bleed points to the running back position? 22nd against uh, Let's see. Jacksonville really hasn't been like giving up a whole lot of rushing yards this year. Uh, roughly like 115-ish uh, per game. 99 and a half rushing yards. Let's see. The King did it. Holy cow. He I had a this one too because he hasn't played him yet. So you don't have like a basis. He had a stretch of five straight games with 100 rushing yards. I mm-hmm. think he's going to heat up. I think he's heating up and I think he's going to secede this week. Um, he, he could get 30 carries and only average three and a half yards, but he still hits. I'm saying he'll reach triple digits for rushing yards. Okay. I like it. I like it. I, I do like the match. It's very interesting because we are not used to seeing Derrick Henry so inefficient. He's a big boy who does spends a lot of time in between the tackles. He's yeah. bound to have his rough spells. You know, he's human as well. Play off Henry, though. He's here. He is here. Uh, with that, we're going to close this episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, follow us, connect with us on our socials at Wagney Fantasy, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. We got it. I'll also subscribe to our newsletter, Winning with Wagney at WagneyFantasy.com. It's got a weekly prep kit for you. Um, moving into the off season, that's when we can have a little more um, creativeness and freedom to write uh, some interesting pieces for Dynasty and Redraft formats. So don't be afraid. Subscribe there. Uh, you won't regret it. Nick, anything to add? Good luck on Sunday. Hope you make playoffs. I hope I make playoffs as well. We'll see you next week.